Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. My guest today is someone I'm not going to mess with, a successful professional wrestler. He made his mark by body slamming his opponents on the mat, coming off the top ropes, throwing the villain out of the ring, which I love to watch. He also was a former Southeastern super heavyweight, full contact karate champion, champion in martial arts. This is not the guy you want to say, hey, meet me outside. Please welcome former WCW professional wrestler. I'm tongue-tied as hell. I've been on the road, turned actor, the Glacier, Ray Lloyd. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's morning. You know, it's good to be busy, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've been out making runs and making music, but uh, and actually, I had quite a few interviews on the other side of the microphone. But uh, in a Mississippi minute, I get to play host. It's kind of fun. Uh, I love it. I love it, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you bet. Okay, so Ray, Ray, tell me about. Okay, where are you right now? You in Florida? I mean, I tell you what, uh, you know, my uh, my home is in Orlando, Florida, but I'm bouncing around all all over the place these days. Uh, I um about uh, back in November, uh, well about a year ago, uh, well, about the time I uh, finished up the last uh, event, um, we uh, actually partnered with a um, young man uh, named Mike Culari, who uh, his wrestling name is QT Marshall. He uh, uh, he is the generation before me, so we we kind of complement each other really well. He's in his early thirties, I'm in my mid fifties, but uh, <laughs> but um uh, we partnered up and opened a wrestling school in Atlanta called the One Ball One Ball Power Factory, and. Uh, in November, we just partnered with Chip Smith, who's been one of my mentors and probably, you know, more of a big brother figure to me than anybody uh, since I was 15 years old. And he's one of the top sports performance trainers in the world. Wow. Trained over 1,700 pro NFL athletes. And, and uh, so he has a huge 43,000 square foot world-class facility in Atlanta. And we were able to, to partner with him. And so my wrestling school is there now. And all my trainers get a chance to take advantage of all that uh, that's available to all the pro athletes. So it's... Uh, it's been an exciting year, but uh, it, it keeps me on the road a lot, bouncing back between Atlanta and Orlando. <laughs> okay, so all right, so okay, so so tell me about this. What yeah. what qualifications do you have to have to get in there? And are you training people strictly for professional the world professional wrestling uh, arena? Or are you training them for all different sports? Well, the the the, uh, the facility itself is uh, it's not open to the public. It's it's designed specifically for athletes of all sports uh, from from high school level on up to, to pro level to come train. And, and basically, you, you know, these days, I mean, with, uh, you know, it's not like when we were growing up. I mean, if a kid has any kind of potential in any one sport, all of a sudden, 
you know, there's there's all ways to, to train them to get them as good as they can at that sport at whatever level they're at. Right. So uh, Chip's just become that guy that's uh, kind of the go-to guy. Actually, he um, uh, he's been nicknamed. It's not a name he he was given, but he's been nicknamed by the you know the sports performance world as the Godfather of sports performance because he really pioneered so much of what is being used today across the board. And um, uh, and he just he just resigned a contract uh, to train the next. To um, work for the next two Chinese uh, Olympic teams uh, to to train Chinese wow. athletes, and uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's just you know he's in the, almost in a category all by himself. But but yeah, it's open. It, when I yeah, I've always wanted to because um, when I even though I had my trainer who trained me in wrestling was um, was an amazing athlete and for a big guy and was a very very accomplished amateur wrestler. But I trained in a backyard in a ring that was probably still the hardest ring I've ever been in. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So, I, you know, I just feel like, you know, but I had a, an undying passion to really try to become as good as I could at it. So that's always been a goal of mine was in the back of my head to, to have a school one day where I could, where, um, and I'm one of these people, but there's some people that walk through the door and, and I look at them and I go, wow, you know, I, I don't know if they, they have what it takes to be a professional wrestler, right. but if it's their dream, I'm going to help them because one of the biggest lessons I ever learned, well, you know, you know, I told you all the time, so many stories about Dusty Rhodes was one of my mentors. Right. And, um, and when Dusty opened up his school, he, he and, and his promotion in Atlanta back in 2000, he brought me on as his right-hand guy, which is still probably one of the biggest thrills of my life. And when he opened up the school, he had me oversee the wrestling school. The first two people he signed up were these guys who weren't, did not fit the mold of what you think of when you think professional wrestler. They weren't big enough. They weren't tall enough. They didn't look athletic enough. And I'm sitting there with Dusty in his office, and he's got this big old picture of John Wayne behind his behind him because you know, <laughs> he was such a big John Wayne fan. And he's sitting there, and, and I tell him, I'm just like, I'm protesting, like, you know, dream. You want these, these two guys are the first guys you're going to have coming to your school. I mean, really, I, mean, I don't. I just don't see it. I don't see it. And he's just sitting there with that, you know, that <laughs> wise look on his face. And then he just leans over to the desk and looks right at me. And he says, "He always called me Raymond." He goes, "Raymond." He goes, "One thing I've learned about the wrestling business is some people out there they need wrestling a whole lot more than wrestling may need them right now." I love you know? it. And I just, yeah, and I just, it just, I was like, wow. You know, I love you it. Know, duly noted. Duly noted. You know what's funny? <laughs> so, what's funny is that you come camouflaged behind this bright white <laughs> smile, and you're the nicest guy, truly, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. And that just shows you. Can you imagine? Okay, come on. I got, okay, we got to dig dig back in your past a little bit. I mean, like when you were growing up, and you're this martial arts, you, you've you've succeeded. You're not, and you're you're in battle. You're in full contact. I mean, were there times that there was, you know, some guy at the bar that just didn't know that thought, yo, yeah, whatever, and gonna go for it? Just keep tell me, tell me they did it. You know, Steve. The, the, yeah, there was a couple of times. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I want to hear about it. <laughs> hey, this is part of my music and culture ambassadorship. Uh, I want to oh, know. Yeah. I want to know what happened to the the smart aleck guy. Uh, a lot of people don't know that both both my mom and dad both were um, career Georgia State Patrol. My dad right. came up as as a young trooper during a very turbulent time in the '60s. You know, and uh, when he was standing guard in Atlanta for a lot of the civil rights uh, movement and things like that. And, you know, I didn't realize it until I got older, but my, my dad and my mom both, but, uh, you know, it just, I remember when my, I have a twin brother that uh, some people may, not, may or may not know, and um, I always say I am the better looking one, though, but I can't get him to agree to that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but you know, my dad, I, I, when I got older, I realized this, my dad really taught us, nobody ever really wins a fight, you know, it's, it's really more about your pride than anything else, usually. Right. And he right. said, in all the years, and as he got older, he said something to him, he said, he said, in all the years I've broken up so many fights, 
between people, no matter what the reason was of the fight. Not once have I ever seen the guy that lost the fight get up and say, you know what, you kick my butt, I'm going to think the way you think now. Right. It just doesn't happen. Right, right. No, no, it's too much emotion. There's just too much. Yeah, too much emotion. Yeah. And then my, uh, you know, luckily when I was a kid, I saw a Bruce Lee movie like a lot of kids, and, and I wanted to start running martial arts. My dad, just, you know, by the grace of God, I grew up in Brunswick, Georgia, and there's a huge, still to this day, federal law enforcement training center where people come from all over the world to train. Right. And there were two guys that were, one was a big-time former government agent, the other was the uh, um, head of all the training for the U.S. Marshal Service, and their names are Frank Graves and Bob Natsky. They became my two martial arts instructors. That's who my dad found. And believe it or not, I mean, I was a kid who did not have a lot of self-confidence growing up. I really didn't. I mean, so it was a big confidence builder for me just to, to, to learn some things that I felt like if I ever got in a situation, I felt like I might get a handle myself. Uh, I had a friend I grew up with, and his dad and mom were the teachers in karate. They were both... Uh, expert i mean like amazing and that last name was catawar of all names which is the coolest name his dad was a great piano player jerry jerry senior was a great piano player jerry jr and i grew up uh and he used to travel all over the world uh and come back banged up a little bit but he was always in the top three in the world he'd go to go to egypt he'd go to china he'd go to japan he'd come back uh, a little sore but victorious i mean he was an amazing fighter and uh his sister is representing us in uh like the Pan Am games recently oh, or, or something. I can't remember what, what Mr. Catawar told me, but the one thing you're saying that, that the discipline to how to not to engage, it's so interesting how he would just sort of sit there and the last thing he wanted to do was engage. It was the very last right. thing. He was so mentally strong and it also made him mentally strong in school and in sports, other sports. Uh, Jerry right. was a heck of an athlete and could convince himself uh, that he was going to get it done and get it done the right way just because of this discipline. I remember the, the this is one of my uh, shining moments of backing down. I was a senior. We were, <laughs> we were upset over our senior play. We were all in, though. We were all in a tizzy, right? <laughs> and so we're all in, we're outside, and Jerry and I start to have this altercation, and it was about to go down, and right before it happened, I stopped, and I said, I'm not crazy. I mean, so I literally knew that right before, even with everybody around in my pride shining, Jerry may not even remember this because he probably ran into a thousand of these, but I remember going like, I want to hug. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I swallowed every inch of my pride. I'm Steve Azar. We're listening to The Glacier. Ray Lloyd, I'm Steve Azar. When I'm away from you is a waste of my time. Yeah. Hey, folks. If you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com, enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I hope it's not too late. There's still so much to say to you. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We're with professional, former professional wrestling, now trainer of all sports, Ray Lloyd. He 
Helling now spending a lot of his time in Atlanta, Georgia. So for our listeners there that want to find out more about how they could uh, train with the likes of Ray Lloyd. Ray, how do they do it? Uh, Yeah, you know, Steve, probably the easiest way is just to go on our Facebook page. It's just you just type in one fall, just like the, the number one and fall, one fall power factory. And, one Paul uh, power, power factory. Yeah, tongue- one Paul. We'll see, one fall power factory. One fall power factory. Yeah. That's a tongue tire thing. Tongue. Yeah, tire. and I always just say power factory. If you yeah. type in power factory, it, it'll come up. But uh, but it's um yeah, and like I said, it's, it's the premier facility in the country now for uh, wanting to learn how to, to 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 train to be a professional wrestler or a manager, a referee, wow. a ballet, any any of that stuff that has to do with wrestling. And 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 I think what I'm you know I, I'm so. You know, just blessed. I had two of my mentors in wrestling. One was the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, who most everyone, you know, yeah. if you're a fan of wrestling or of not, course. you know. And Luthez was was before him. Luthez was literally considered like the Babe Ruth for pro wrestling. He was six-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. When I met him, he was 76 years old. He could still wipe the floor with me and everybody else. But uh, Was but that was, technique, Ray? Yeah, he was he was a great, pure wrestler. But he's also, you know, he also, after, uh, he actually um, was an immigrant. And so he started wrestling in the 30s, I believe. So he never went to school, never even finished high school. But he became world famous because he was such a famous, he was such a great athlete and such a great wrestler. And, of course, he transferred that into professional wrestling and, and performed on the biggest stages in, in the world. Um, and he, uh, and, and he, the last 10 years of his life, I became very close to him, a good friend with him. And, uh, and, and he's just, I mean, he literally is considered, the, he, he was before, Dusty Rhodes and all those guys, but he was he was literally you know a living legend, and and so I had him uh, you know mentoring me and coaching me, and of course Dusty kind of took over after that. Uh, but it's just like you know they I learned I was so just so honored to learn from some of the two of the very best in the history yeah. of professional wrestling that that I just I have like this moral obligation I, I have to pass along what they they taught me because I feel like that it's just I'm doing them an in-service and injustice if I don't do that. It sounds and, like uh, they're think, like the blues. It sounds like these blues guys back in our time. The guy, one of the biggest exactly. mentors was Eugene Powell, Sonny Boy Nelson, blues records in the 30s, you know, and, yeah. and, and we know uh, their background. So, uh, and I learned to, to just sit there and watch them and just, uh, I've always written songs with a silver lining and they come out of pain and, but they, they end up with a smile yeah. somehow or whether in melody or in lyric or I've always seen the silver lining and I felt like the blues did that. They they made you feel good about what was hurting inside and uh yeah, and so it yeah. sounds like to me we both had a similar mentor similar mentors there were a group of them for me uh go how how popular was professional professional wrestling at that point back in that day i mean on a on a stage uh you know how how big of a deal was it was it always something people wanted to come see oh yeah you know and 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 when i got to, to you know to really get to know lou I, he was a walking history book. I mean, because just like you were saying with the, the blues mentors you had, I mean, this guy came along before television, you know, and so he wow. came through that era of, of he, you know, when, once he saw how huge television was able to, to really take wrestling to a new level because it was really inexpensive to shoot. You basically set up a camera and a light and just shot the ring, you know? Right. So TV and, and pro wrestling just went hand in hand. And, um, and, and, you know, he was, a, he was one of the biggest international stars. Japan has always been a huge market. So, he was able to go worldwide and throughout Europe and, and you know and sell out arenas even before television day. So Are you kidding? he was one of those guys. Yeah, he made he made and and I tell you this to give you an idea how tough he was. He um, and just one of the classiest looking people you would ever, you would never if you saw the only thing that gave him a way of being a wrestler if you saw him outside the ring because he always dressed in a nice suit and everything was he had this you know, left cauliflower ear. You know. Oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you're getting yanked on. Yeah, but um, yeah, but but he. Uh, 
you know, he taught me so much about the importance of being a professional in the professional wrestling business, how to carry yourself, how to treat the fans, how to be appreciative of what the fans, because without the fans, we don't get to live our dreams. That's what he always used to say. You know, you have to respect that without the fans, we're nothing, you know? And, yeah. and just learning things like that, that um, that I've been able to pass along. And, wow. and and my big thing is, you know, I was a school teacher for many years before I wrestled full-time, you know, and, and I always looked at as a school teacher, you know, for a lot of kids, and I didn't realize this until I really became a teacher, because I, I can't thank God I came from a, a, a good home. But I, in public schools, I would see there were so many kids that, that didn't have good homes. I mean, the safest place for them was at a school. And so that's another big reason why Mike and I, my, my business partner, and his wife, who's a nutritionist, she helps all of our trainees too, um, is that I always wanted to have a school that was basically like what I call a safe place to land for people to come train, a good, positive safe environment where no matter where their wrestling career goes they can meet some good people who support their dream you know you can come here and you can you can feel safe and you know what everything that you're going to do here is going to be well received and you're going to be really supported i love it because because very few people ever make it to that top level in in any entertainment industry so you know those ones that don't i still want them to be able to take a ton of good stuff from this and, and wherever they go with it you know for the next chapters of their lives it, this was a really good, healthy step for them to, you know, to go toward that. All right, you're bringing up a good point right now that I want to ask you about about uh, wrestler and camaraderie and brotherhood and all that. Okay, so back in the day of the PGA Golf Tour, and you play golf, uh, you think about Nicholas and Palmer and Trevino and Floyd and the list, Irwin. The list goes on and on, right? There were they yeah. they they didn't seem like they got along. They didn't they didn't con- they didn't go on vacations together like the new generation of Jordan Spieth and Fowler and, yeah. and you know and and, and JT. And and all these guys, which they, they these guys are, if they're not in the hunt, they're waiting for the guy that is in the hunt and pulling for him. If one of the behind the wife or girlfriend or mother or father, they're the ones hugging them right after they get off. Did that exist back in, in your time? There's a difference from, from I broke in in April of 1986, so I'm celebrating my 32 years now in the wrestling business, and I still get in the ring. Uh, I don't move quite as fast as I used to, but I, I still hope I still can kind of keep up with the kids. You know, yeah, <laughs> but, that's uh, amazing. But but back in in those days, they had what they call the territories, where you know, uh, luckily I could wrestle. Even though I was teaching school, I could still wrestle in Georgia. There were shows that within an hour or two or three from where I was living, which is Valdosta, Georgia, at the time. And and I could in those territories, you had that pecking order of the veterans. And, and then the guys who maybe some guys who didn't make great names but but became great you know masters of their art right just like you know musicians you know? I mean not everyone that a lot of great you know, musicians never made a big commercial success you know but still people you really just kind of idolize so there was that there was that pecking order in that that um, where you could learn from from those guys you could have that camaraderie and and yeah and uh, and just be able to pick their brains and stuff like that the now with um, you know the the big wrestling companies coming over coming over the last twenty plus years and really buying out all the territories that doesn't really exist anymore. So unfortunately, a lot of the young kids coming up now, I call them kids, <laughs> but yeah, in their twenties or whatever, is uh, yeah, to us they are now. <laughs> but uh, they don't have that. Uh, they don't have that opportunity to have that camaraderie with some of the veterans and and just fellow wrestlers who kind of were making their living being journeyman wrestlers because. It just that territory doesn't exist anymore. So I, I really, really wish that that did because because it's something that helped me tremendously. Just to start learning the ins and outs of the business, not necessarily what all goes on in the ring, because you know your life as a performer and anything. The small part of that is when you perform live. There's so much more that you have to do outside of that, and uh, and you, you know you need to have people who who vault that path that you can trust will teach you how to do all that. Right. So um, so yeah, I came along during that last era of the of the, um, the territory. So. 
I was very, very fortunate. And, and those relationships that I built then are still helping me today, which is right. just amazing, you know? And so, so yeah, it's, and that's another thing that we are trying to do with, um, with the, the Power Factory in Atlanta is we started our own wrestling organization called One Ball Wrestling, which we're going to be running a bunch of shows in and around Atlanta. And the same thing, just to start to build a territory again, that atmosphere, so that the wrestlers, cool. you know, male and female, can, can start to bond a little bit and, you know, just build a, a network. So well, it all comes back to the grassroots. I mean, it, it, things are, you know, yeah, you know, right now nobody's CDs are going to be gone and, and people are streaming music and it's back to vinyl. If you want something yeah, physical, it's vinyl. You know, come on. <laughs> I mean, it cracks me up. We're talking to Ray Lloyd. Ray, you brought up your mom and dad. Okay, so I want to yeah. I want to go back a little bit. Uh, you have such great respect for them. Having two troopers, how we patrol right. men and women, right? Putting their Superman cape on, I guess, as your little boy, <laughs> and and in in a, in a bulletproof vest, right? And did you ever worry as a, as a kid? Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that. Uh, I, I live in a great neighborhood down here, uh, and, and it's called Avalon Park in in, uh, in Orlando, where. It's basically like four neighborhoods that were built with a downtown area built in the middle of it. So I can walk to the downtown area, and there's restaurants and shops and grocery stores and yeah. bistros and little taverns. And, you know, I was there with a group of my buddies uh, a while back. And, you know, and we're talking about all the things of today that everybody else talks about. Is, you know, I try not to get too much into politics. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no, but, I get know, in trouble. Just talking about yeah. the things with, you know, there's people that are for law enforcement now, people who have their issues with law enforcement and all that. And, uh, and we were talking about some other really sensitive topics uh, because we all are a group of guys that, you know, we can have those discussions and then we hug it out and, and get back right. again the next day. But, um, but there were some discussions about, hey, you know, coming from the background that I come from because of the race that I am, things like that, you know, if you haven't walked in my shoes, you don't know how I feel. And I was basically saying, you know what, you're exactly right. I don't, and, and, and I don't pretend to. I said, but. A lot of you don't have never thought about the fact that you've, you'll never walk in my shoes, which is since I've been old enough to comprehend what my dad did for a living, which was, you know, probably six, seven years old to really understand that he might not come home. I said, you know, every single time, because my mom was in the driver's license division, so she wasn't out there stopping speeders and stuff, but she still blazed a path for women because she became the highest ranking trooper. When wow, she retired. that's, but, that's uh, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she and and but uh, but and she outranked my dad even when she <laughs> when he retired. But uh, but you know, I told them, I said, you know, you will never know what it feels like to watch your dad walk out the door and wonder if he's ever coming home yeah. again that night. And 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 because maybe he gets shot because he pulls some guy over on the road, they got no. The that's the point. Ounce bag of weed, you right, know. Right. I said, right. You know, so you don't know what that feels like. So we all have our our crosses to bear. You know? <laughs> We're talking to the great Ray Lloyd. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi minute. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm in a hurry, one hell of a hurry. I'm Steve Azar. We are with fabulous Ray Lloyd. Spent a lot of time in the ring. So in my time, Ray Lloyd, Ray Ray, uh, I just called you by your full name. I love it. Uh, We went and watched Jerry the King Lawler. You know, we watched uh, yeah. back even before that Bill Cowboy Bill Watts, Pork Chop Cash, yep. Bill Superstar yep. Dundee. The list went on and on, right? The great Mephisto, you know? I mean, yep. so yep. it was like the coolest thing. And you mentioned the word performance. You keep talking about yep. that. Okay, so when we're growing up, we don't want to hear that it's a performance or it's a show. We right. want to hear that you guys are going at each other and this is serious and there's real fire and, uh, yep. you know, there's, there's real biting. Now, 
tell me about give me give me some of the, can you give away at this point in your life some of the secrets of bleeding and you know that you have blood pills in your mouth or you know you know what I'm saying I want to I want to hear about that and how much of it was truly physical because you are getting slung around right yeah. and you're using your yeah. body to sling people around so and you're hitting yeah. each other like trucks you know constantly right. not you know trains com- colliding over and over I need to hear so I think I've asked a couple questions I can't remember them but I'm, I'm hoping you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can tell you this. I was just talking to one of my, my fellow, uh, actually, my, my business partner, uh, QT Marshall. We were just talking about this yesterday. Is that by far, you know, people say that, well, the internet wrestling is exposed now. It's, you know, people don't know how it's done or whatever. Because what, I always, you know, what I was always taught is we in professional wrestling, you know, we create magic when we go out there. That's what we do. It's, it's a, I, I don't necessarily like the word sports entertainment, but it is very much a combination of athleticism and, and performance. It really is. Still, by far, the, the question I get asked the most, still to this day, even though we have the Internet, if I could go on and really find out the inner workings of anything, just like they can any magic trick if they want to go really look dig deep on the Internet. But um, it's the fact that people still ask me, is it real or is it fake? By yeah, because far, your I fans don't believe it. Your, your fans right. truly believe that it's real. They really yeah. do. And no and matter what they our, read. <laughs> yeah, and, and our goal is, is what I always say is when I teach you know seminars all over the country and, and, and really all over the world, I just did one in Toronto recently, uh, but is is that it's our you know our goal as professional is to create that magic and and to motivate the fan to get up off the couch, get in their car, drive to the arena, pay the price the ticket to come in and watch us perform, so that if we create that magic the way that we our goal is to to create, then they forget about their problems for a couple of hours, and that's how the magic is created. If we can wow. let them forget about the troubles of the world, and and if and if our our goal is to create you know as much of what looks like a a you know an animated contest you know and mm-hmm. and if we can do that it's just like watching rocky and apollo creed go at it yeah. you know you're watching a movie but if you allow yourself to just sink into that the was moment, not a movie that was real you can't do that, that to real, me you know and, no. and so um you know and that's and that's our goal is to create that kind of magic and i always say that um uh you know if it's me and you talking so I, uh, just on the side i'll you know i'll smart you up to a few things but i always say to, to the audience is that when people say you know how do you guys do that blah 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 I always say, you know, I, you think you want to know, but if I told you, you really wouldn't want to know. You'd be disappointed if I told you how we, we okay. create our magic. I said, and just, well, but there are a few things I can say. Is that uh, it's like I always say, like, um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Chris Angel and David Copperfield and all them. Is that you know they create this they create this magic that we know is not real magic, but we allow ourselves to be entertained as if it is. But you know they they don't come out at the end of the show and sit on the stage and go. I'm glad you're entertained. Come on back. Let me show you how I did everything. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I believe that the bodies get chopped in half and they put them back together. I'm a believer. So I'm a believer. And so really, no matter what you tell me, I'm just going to think that it's real. Right, okay, so, Ray, uh, why the glacier? Where did the name, why, why couldn't it have been Tidal Wave? Let me think about some of my names I would have called you. Let me think about this. Uh, I would have called you uh, Chopping John. I would have called you Lightning Rock. What about Chernobyl? Or inferno, or you know, a volcano, right? We have one erupting right now in Hawaii, you know in Hawaii, or yeah. re- recently yeah. has been erupting. So what? What's going? Why? Where did the glacier come from? Well, um, you know, I was fortunate enough. It, 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 you know, this is one thing I always tell people too: is that you know, if you have a dream, you know, it's it's more. You got to have more than just a dream. You got to have a game plan, to, you know, to pursue your dream. And uh, because it's not, you, you probably will just spin your wheels for a long time. So I had a game plan to to get to. The, to me, I grew up on NWA and WCW, which was based out of. Atlanta, Ted Turner all at the time. So that was my goal was to get there. And um, so after wrestling in the independent scene for several years, um, I actually, um, I just, you know, I got a teaching job in Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta so I could 
teach school during the week and wrestle on the week. There's a lot more work up there, obviously. And that was where hopefully I was going to be able to get noticed. And, um, uh, yeah, and I, I got became good friends with Diamond Dallas Page, who, um, if anybody follows wrestling, has probably the greatest success story ever. Um, and uh, so Dallas um, was good friends with the president of the company, Eric Bischoff. So he set up a meeting for me when he felt like I was, you know, ready enough to, to maybe take on that meeting. And I sat down with Eric. Uh, over dinner, and it wasn't even an official, you know, meeting in the office, so to speak. And um, uh, I, he began to explain to me that that the Turner Broadcasting Company really wanted to capitalize on the popularity of, of the Mortal Kombat uh, video game and the movie that just came out. And anybody that remembers the mid '90s, that was one of the biggest things going. Right. You know? And um, this tells you how big it is. It still has endured all these years, you know. Right. And uh, so um, anyway, and his thing was, hey, look, you know, I'm looking to come up with this concept. And, uh, you know, I'm looking for the first person. And, you know, just long story short, he eventually decided that I would be the first one. And then we, um, you know, it, it kind of went from there. I was the first, uh, me and the other three uh, uh, people that were picked. And ironically, the, the person who was my tag team partner was a guy named Ernest Miller, who was a um, three-time world karate champion. And you'll remember Ernest is the one who played the Ayatollah, who battled Mickey Rourke at the end of the movie. Oh, right? oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, so, uh, and he actually trains at my facility in Atlanta now. So, but, uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, and so they, I, I knew a good friend of mine who was a, a great special effects artist for TV and film. They hired him to basically create the characters from storyboard to, to you know the finished product and um, they put all that in motion so what uh, what really happened was we really laid new ground for the wrestling industry we were the first people who that the company really decided to come up with this concept and really bankroll it to because to, to, at that time wrestlers pretty much picked kind of the, what what the character was they decided they had their own clothes made and everything else you know and everything was kind of the company was kind of you know, taking on that responsibility for the first time ever. And then, mm-hmm. of course, when I first came out, I had this huge, huge, you know, elaborate entrance that uh, was way ahead of its time. I mean, uh, everybody yeah, I has remember. like that now, but <laughs> but I yeah. was the first one to ever really had that. So, uh, but yeah, they, and they started, the funny thing is, they started with like 150 names, and they kept whittling the names down and whittling them, and eventually they settled on Glacier. The Glacier. <laughs> You've just heard the story. <laughs> I can see you in your outfit right now, ready for combat. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like Marvel now. You know, you, if you're going to go to a movie, you're, you're, theaters aren't doing as well. People have the ability to watch whatever they want, when they want to watch it, how they want to watch it, on their any device they've got. And uh, people aren't going to the movies like it was. But, you know, I, I recently interviewed my dad uh, on oh, Father's wow. Day extravaganza back on Father's Day. And so I loved hearing him talk about 25 cents, what it would get you. It'd get you and your yeah. buddy into a movie. It'd get you popcorn. It'd get you a Coke, get you candy. And Great. the other day, my sidekick, Jason, you know Jason, and uh, Chris, oh, yeah. <laughs> we were all in Chicago, and I bought the movies. So I took them on a treat. And when I left, <laughs> there was $92 later. Now, that's oh crazy gosh. to me. So $92 from 25 cents, you know. So w- what about the ticket price of going to see wrestling? You know what? Um, thankfully, uh, it, it, you know, the independent wrestling scene, which is really thriving once again, um, <clears throat> has really stayed relatively um, affordable for, like, a, a family to, to go because they know that's their, that's their big market right there is, is the family. And um, in the Atlanta area, uh, like, for instance, our, our general admission tickets to the shows that we have are, um, you know, $10. You know, so that's great. Ringside seat for yeah, a little bit more, and you can get even some of the you know like standing for, for like five bucks. You know, so we make it really affordable because we you know, we look at what people pay to go to any sporting event in Atlanta, whether it's you know a, a college or, or or pro like Braves, Hawks, you know Falcons. I mean, it's it's really expensive. So 
we always want to make sure we can give it. You know, we are, we try to keep it very affordable. And I think from what I've seen, most independent roughing groups do the same thing because they realize. I mean, you know, the the average family, you know, even though the economy seems to be doing somewhat better, it, it's still, you know, I mean, it's it's a struggle to to come up with fifty or sixty bucks to just take the family anywhere. You know. Yeah. Well, I feel and like we're so, printing well, printing a, uh, like monopoly money because it's gotten so out of hand at times. I mean, yeah. and, and you shoot yourself in the foot. So what happens is, you know. Uh, I guess what happens in you know professional sports, people have to get paid. You got these salary caps; they're getting paid a lot of money. And when people are getting paid a lot yeah. of money, you've got to charge a lot yeah. of money. So you guys oh, yeah. have seemed to keep it, you know, you've tempered it, you kept it. You know, I love that you've thought about the family. So what makes up the wrestling fan? Do you think what? what where are they? Blue collar? Are they? Or do you see it all? <laughs> what I've learned, Steve. That's why I say a lot these days. What I've learned <laughs> is that. It's from all walks of life, just like um, just like fans of, of, of your music, you know. It's, um, it's I've run into people who are CEOs of companies who are some of the biggest wrestling geeks I've ever met, you know. And and then I have, you know, I've got priests who come up to me and they start talking wrestling. And, wow. Uh, you know, I was uh, I just did uh, a fellow uh, wrestlers uh, podcast yesterday, and uh, and I was I, I'm working on a project here, a, a little film project, and we were scouting a location, and the uh, the producer of the project. We walk around. It was raining. We had to wait for it to stop raining to go check out because it was an outdoor property for the scene. And uh, and I said, Hey guys, I gotta, you know, we, we gotta make this quick because I gotta get out of here. I gotta jump on this podcast call at four o'clock um, for. Um, uh, and, and I told him who the other wrestler was. And this guy, you know, he's a film producer, very sharp guy, you know, very intelligent. And as soon as I told him, he just man, he geeked out like an eight year old kid. He go, Oh my god, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's my you point. Know, you never know. <laughs> I knew you were yeah, going to make. I knew you were going to make the point. Okay, we are the birthplace of American music. This is where it all began, right here on the soul that I am. My feet are on right now, and I get excited about celebrating that. So you get to play DJ, yeah. and you get to decide what we're going to go into the break with. You want a little Jimmy Buffett, or you want a little Albert King? Oh man, oh man, Jimmy Buffett. All right, I figured you'd be a Jimmy yeah. Buffett guy. You get a margarita, <laughs> Margaritaville, uh, yeah. and uh, we're going to be back. You're in the Mississippi Minute. We're with the Glacier, Ray Lloyd. I'm Steve Azar. <laughs> In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We're with the Glacier. The Glacier, Ray Lloyd, who is in Georgia. I like saying that's about as southern as I can get, even though I grew up in the <laughs> Delta. Like Pretty good, right? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. I, I grew up with the, uh, hanging out in some places probably uh, that changed the way I talk. And my mom and dad are so southern, baby. Oh, darling, oh, y'all drink plenty of Gatorade before y'all go out sweat, you know. So, so, and I'm I'm fast talking and on the move. Uh, Ray, Ray, I, I appreciate you as a friend, and uh, I love getting to hear the sort of the backstory. Tell me when you wrestled, who was the toughest guy you ever fought, and who's the guy that ticked you off the most? I want both of them. Um, well, by far, I mean the toughest guy. I, I mean, there's there's a few, um, but I think the one that uh, people ask me the most about is um, someone who's still a great friend of mine, uh, who was uh, one of the most popular athletes in the world at that time was Bill Goldberg, and Goldberg is really you know he just headlined WrestleMania last year against Brock Lesnar, uh, but he he and I wrestled four times on on uh, TV at WCW, um, 
uh, on, on Monday Nitro and then our Thursday show was called Thunder, both live shows. Uh, one time, one night we we headlined the show, on, which is basically the main event of that that show, and uh, and he was well known for what he called the spear because he was a pro football player and you know all world player at Georgia, um, and then he did the jackhammer. He would basically the spear was a run and tackle, and then he would pick you up like a suplex, and then he would kind of like sling you around in the thing he called the jackhammer. And so that was the one question I get a lot of, like, what's it feel like to get speared by Bill Goldberg? And I always tell him, I was like, I do not recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, you hit your head. Okay, so your moves were, uh, your signature moves, you did the, uh, yeah, the, the what did you do, like the kick. somersault yeah. leg drop, or what was it? I, well, I did, I, you know, a leg sweep, which was really, really unique back then. I was the only person who did something like that, especially my size. But then what I call the chronic kick, which is basically like a super kick to the, to the the right to the square to the mug. <laughs> oh, I love. And, okay, how much how much of it co- made contact? Well, let's just say I, I did my best to, uh, to 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 place it where I, I did the least amount of damage. But sometimes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes uh, you know, under the lights and the sounds and the crowds and and the drilling flowing, sometimes you know, there's a little bit more contact made than, than intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when you're and when you're locked up, and, and are there any conversation ever going on? Like, why'd you hit me that hard? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I one of my favorite was when I really clocked one of my. Oh, we always say in wrestling, best friends, better enemies, you know, yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of the guys that I had my best matches with were the guys that, that I was good, good buddies with outside of wrestling, and, uh, but I, you know, I, I hit one, one of my, one of the guys who was someone I was, you know, very uh, good, good, you know, good terms with, I, I clocked him with a f- flying forearm one time, and as soon as I picked him up, and, uh, you know, I headlocked and took him over, he just <laughs> says to me, like, holy cow, man, do I owe you money? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Okay, so what made you bleed? Was it real blood? Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, real blood, real blood, and um, you know, and I'll give you a little bit of just the inside of the business. Um, there's, Ready? you know, I'll just say this about you know, if, if you've heard about certain ways that we we get blood in wrestling, which doesn't happen that much anymore, just know that that's probably pretty accurate. As if whatever you've heard about how that might happen, but we do have what we call, say getting getting what we call color. That's what they call blood, getting color, um, and this is what we call getting color the hard way, which means if your head actually gets banged into the post or. Or do you get punched in the lip and you actually do bleed? That's what we call getting getting colored the hard way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But the old the old veterans would always say, whenever you come back and your bust your nose is busted, or your lip was busted, or maybe you had a little bump on your head, you know, from the post that got busted open, they'd always look at you and they pat you on the shoulder and say, "Don't worry, kid, it's good for the business." <laughs> I love it. I say, so did you love tag team versus solo? I did Better? because I broke in as a tag team wrestler with one of my college teammates who was a very good friend of mine from our. Uh, college football days so yeah that that we were very unique i don't know if anybody else has ever broke in as a tag team most people just break in and they eventually find a tag team partner but i love tag team wrestling because uh because you I'm, can rest I, no sorry yeah, you can rest a little bit but, <laughs> but but also in fact it's a little bit more of a team concept which which i always love it's a bigger challenge to you know for two people to work in unison as opposed to just one right uh, it's, it's a much bigger challenge and i always love that we're with the glacier ray lloyd i would love to just be able to promote something real quick. Go and, ahead. Uh, this is August, what we do. The weekend, yeah, the, August, the weekend of August 24th and 25th at, at our, uh, our training center in Atlanta, we're actually having what's called the first ever American Dream Scholarship Super Camp Weekend. And obviously American Dream based, you know, in honor of Dusty um, because of the relationship that Dusty had. Uh, the family has never, D- Dusty passed away about three years ago now. They've never allowed anyone to use his name or his reputation to promote anything. So because uh, of my uh, closest to Dusty and still right. to the family, they're allowing us to, to, to do this camp in his honor. And uh, Cody um, wrote to his son, who is now 
the Ring of Honor world champ, one of the most popular independent wrestlers out there, just left WWE, a 10-year run at WWE. He and his wife, Brandy, will be there to promote. Uh, we're going to do a, a whole weekend of training. we got three of the top coaches in the world coming in from the wrestling business. Um, you know, Tom Pritchard, Les Thatcher, Kevin Kelly. In the wrestling business, people know who those, those guys are. But uh, it'll be where I'm partnered with my buddy Chip, um, and we're doing like a one-year we're going to give a scholarship to one female, one uh, one male, and it's going to be like one year's worth of diamondized supplements, which uh, they sponsor Chip's facility. We're going to give a, a monetary award. We're going to give a plaque. And it's wow. just to bring a lot of networking and unity and, and, and really honor Dusty's memory by giving a couple of young wrestlers the opportunity to just further their their journey. Can fans come participate and buy tickets Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. We're going to open it up to fans to come into some of it, and we're going to do a show on Sunday, which actually will be a one-day or one-evening tournament uh, uh, where the, the, the top participants from the camp will actually do a one-night tournament to actually so the coaches can actually – they're going to they're gonna judge to pick the uh, the winners of the scholarships. So there will be a show on Sunday with anybody can come to that. But uh, And if there's anybody that's a fan that, that hears about this and you want to just come and, and be a part of the weekend, just send us a message on our Facebook page, and, and we'll find a way to work that out for you. I love it. We've been talking to the Glacier, my brother, Ray Lloyd. <laughs> Ray, I appreciate you taking the time. Brother Sue, thank you, man. I'll see you next week. Okay, later. Bye-bye. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.